Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest teaches us about becoming a friend of Jesus. Well, praise the Lord. Let me lead you in our confession as a church. We are a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to talk to you about something I really have never preached about ever. It's called becoming a friend of Jesus. And I received some revelation in my private time with the Lord over the last several weeks, and I've been meditating on this for several weeks, and the Lord has been speaking to me about becoming a friend of Jesus. You know, there is a progression in your relationship with the Lord, and it begins when you get born again, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But that progression I have found through my study of the Scriptures goes from a gratitude for missing hell, a thankfulness that the Lord sought you out and saved you by His grace, to a place of abiding in Him, to a place where you are a trusted friend of Jesus. It's a progression, unfortunately, that most Christians do not complete. I dare say the vast majority of the body of Christ is stuck in the gratitude phase. They're just glad they missed hell. And they just live life any way that they desire, not really cognizant of the will of God for their life. But we got to get past that state of gratitude, which we all feel, to a place of abiding in Jesus and then becoming a trusted friend of Jesus. Amen. And so that's the gist of what we're going to talk about today. When you got born again, at that point, you realize just how much Jesus really loved you. Just how much he forgave you. And your obedience to his commands uh, were based largely on a sense of gratitude. You were thankful that you were not going to hell. And so, out of a sense of gratitude, you wanted to do everything in your power to live for Him. Amen? Praise God. 1 John 4.19 says, We love Him because He first loved us. He loved us before we knew Him. We love Him because He first loved us. Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Now, some translations say God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, he still chose to die for us. Amen. Hallelujah. Before I was born, before I ever knew him, Jesus knew me. He knew me by name. He saw my sin in all its perversity, in all its filth, and he still chose to die so that I could be forgiven. Amen so that I could be washed clean by His blood and become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, some of us have committed more wickedness than others in a relative sense. But let's be honest. Without Christ, all of us were destined for a devil's hell. It's not a matter of degrees. But knowing that you were saved from hell produces a sense of gratitude that springs up on the inside of you. And no matter how much time we spend living out our everlasting lives, I don't think any of us will ever 
lose that sense of gratitude. Thank God I'm not going to that place. Thank God I have a place in the heavenlies waiting for me. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me. We will never lose that, and we never should lose that. It kind of reminds me of the woman with the alabaster box that worshipped at the feet of Jesus. We're going to read this whole passage because I think it's so poignant and will help us understand this concept. Uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50. Can we read 14 verses in a row in church? Amen, I believe we can. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered. Isn't it interesting that Jesus answered his thought? <laughs> he knew what he was thinking. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. Lay it on me. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered into your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Amen. Very famous story. I'm sure you've heard it preached up one side and down the other. But what it says to me is this woman took the only thing of great value that she had, that flask of ointment. She broke it and poured it out on the feet of Jesus. She used her hair to wipe his feet. She poured out, in essence, symbolically, she poured out her heart to him. She was broken before him. She knew she was not worthy to be even in his presence. And yet she came to minister to him and worship him. And Jesus saw that. He called it faith. Notice he said, your faith has saved you. She didn't say a word. All she did was demonstrate that she needed a savior. And she was worshiping at the feet of Jesus and asking for his forgiveness, his acceptance. And he gave it freely to her. Amen. 
Hallelujah. And so she was very grateful because, as Jesus said, she had many sins. Now, it's a matter of degrees, I suppose, but I find that those who have been the most aggressive in living for the devil usually end up being those that have the most ardent zeal when living for Christ once he turns their life around. Amen? They're going hard in one direction, but once Jesus gets a hold of them, they turn the other direction and go equally hard in that direction. Amen? The Apostle Paul comes to mind. Some of you probably fit in that category. Amen? But listen, it's not my place to judge. I don't have a judgmental bone in my body. Listen, if you knew some of the things that I did, it would curl your toes. No, I'm not going to tell you some of the things that I did because it's washed clean by the blood of Jesus. I'm a new creation, and it's just like I never did those things ever. Amen? Glory to God. Now, although that gratitude creates in you a desire to live a holy and godly life, gratitude alone will not ensure that you become the man or woman that God created you to be. you got to have more than gratitude. Now, I'm not discounting it. Remember, I said, we'll never lose that sense of gratitude that Jesus saved us from a devil's hell. We'll never lose that. But we got to take that a step further. We got to go from loving him out of gratitude to learning to abide in him. Amen. So that we abide in him and he abides in us and we become one with him. Because when Jesus abides in you you begin to reproduce his ministry on the earth. Amen. John 14, verse 8 through 18. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Let me just stop right there. Jesus is basically saying the works that you see me do flow out of the oneness that I have with the Father. He abides in me and I abide in him. And as a natural or I should say a supernatural consequence, the works, the supernatural works of God flow out of him. Amen. That's what he was saying. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Then he sort of shifts the focus from himself to his disciples. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Now, at a surface reading, and you're reading through this passage, and it's talking about Jesus being one with the Father, and then reproducing and doing the works of God, and then all of a sudden it shifts the focus and says, Listen, if you believe on me, you're going to do the same kind of works that I do. Okay. And then he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. It seems kind of incongruent, if I can use another $25 word. It seems a little bit out of the flow. Amen. But it's really not if you sort of think about it. 
Jesus goes from talking about doing the works of the Father to telling Philip and the disciples to express their love by following his commandments. I believe it's in the flow because if you take a closer look, I believe the commandments he's referring to are the works he just discussed in the previous passage. In other words, he said, just like I have been one with the Father and the works of God flow out of me, you're going to be one with me and my works will flow out of you. Amen. So if you love me, keep my commandments, reproduce my ministry on the earth. Everybody following me? Amen. Hallelujah. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Now, as Ricky pointed out last week when he preached, that comforter, that Greek word there, means essentially I will send someone else who is just exactly like me, and he will abide with you. Amen? Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Amen. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Amen. I will come to you. The only difference is I'm here with you physically, he's saying. I'm with you, but through the spirit there's coming a day when I will be in you. Amen. And once I am in you, you can be one with me in the same sense that I was one with the Father and the works of God will flow out of that oneness with the Father and with the Son. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He was going to transition from living with them to abiding in them by the person of the Holy Spirit. And I believe in order for that to happen, you have to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Amen. I believe this is a reference to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You can be saved and regenerated by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, you become filled up. You become full of the Holy Spirit. And you are one with Jesus in a way that wasn't possible when you were just born again. I'm sorry if it offends some of our denominational brethren, but it is a fact. It is the truth. Jesus said, Wait for the promise of the Father. Wait until you be endued with power from on high. Don't go anywhere and don't do anything until you get the power, until I am abiding in you. And when we are one together and I am in you, then you can expect to reproduce my ministry on the earth in signs, wonders, and miracles. Amen. Hallelujah. I get a little excited about it. Amen. When you progress from a sense of gratitude, I'm just thankful that you're not going to hell. You need to go from there to abiding in him and allowing him to reproduce his ministry on the earth through you. Amen. Glory to God. The final stage in this progression, and even though it's going to be a relatively short sermon, this is not a relatively short process. It takes time for you to make this progression. Sometimes I believe a lifetime before you go from a grateful lover of God to abiding in Jesus and the father to a trusted friend. You don't get there overnight and not everybody gets there. Amen. Remember, God considered Abraham a trusted friend and he let him in on some of the things he was going to do on the earth, especially those things that affected him personally. Same thing with Moses. 
he confided and trusted in Moses and let him in on some of the plans that he had for planet Earth, especially when it had to do with the Hebrew people and he and his ministry. Amen. Glory to God. If you want to be that kind of trusted friend where he confides in you, uh, you need to surrender your life completely to him. I'm getting ahead of myself. You become a trusted friend, and he confides in you and charges you with specific assignments and responsibilities. Amen? That's the final phase, if you will, in this progression of growth. Amen? Becoming a trusted friend of Jesus. You know, I have a lot of acquaintances. I have a lot of people I know. I have a lot of people I'm comfortable hanging out with. But I only have a handful of people that I trust and I confide in. Amen? I want to be like that with the Father God. I want to be like that with Jesus. I want to be to the point where Jesus says, I want to let you in on what's going on here in Wilmington. And I'm going to let you know what's going on and what your part is in what's going on. And what your church is going to do to contribute to what's going on here in Wilmington. I want to be that kind of trusted friend, don't you? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, these are the scriptures that sort of leapt off the page a couple of weeks ago, and I have been meditating on them ever since, and I'm sure there's more nuggets that I'm pulling out today that will come forth as I continue to meditate on John 15, verse 7 through 16. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Amen. Think about that. I'm going to read that again. If ye abide in me, this is Jesus speaking, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Notice it says, you shall ask what you will. Not what God wills, what you will. But, it requires you to abide in him and his words to abide in you. You can actually get to the point in your growth as a believer to a disciple where his thoughts are your thoughts. His will is your will. And the two become indistinguishable. Therefore, when you desire something, it's right in line with God's will. And he gives it to you because he knows that you need it for a specific reason, for a specific purpose. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Verse 8, herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciple. Let me stop right there. This is what the Lord spoke to me when I read that verse. I wasn't going to put this in this message, but I read that verse last night and the Lord said, put this in there. So I'm going to read the verse and I'm going to tell you what the Lord said to me. Herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Believers escape hell, but disciples bear much fruit. Amen. There is a difference. We have a body of Christ full of believers, but we have very few disciples. Amen. And you're not going to change the world. You're not going to change your city. You're not going to change your church if you're not a disciple. Amen. Glory to God. Verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. It's all about the love of the Father. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that you love one another 
as I have loved you. Now, these are the verses that just sort of, I mean, I almost fell over when I read these, that the anointing was so powerful. Verse 13. And it's not like I haven't read these verses before. You know, sometimes you can read a verse a hundred times and then you read it with the anointing of God on it and it just hits you right between the eyes. Verse 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Amen. We all know that. Jesus tells his disciples that the greatest possible expression of love is when we are willing to lay down our lives for our friends. Amen. He said this as he was about to lay down his life for his friends. Verse 14. This is a mind blower. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. I'm just going to have a little Bill Johnson Selah moment there for a second. You know where he don't say anything for like 10 seconds. Let that sink in. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. That word there, command, means to charge with a specific task or responsibility. You are my friends if you do what I've charged you to do. If you do what I created you to do. If you become the person that I created you to be. And if you reach the people that I called you to reach. Amen. Then you are my friend. Then I can trust you and I can confide in you. So the first part of that equation is you got to be willing to lay it all on the line. Just like Jesus said, greater love had no man than this, that a man laid down his life for the Lord. Listen, when you're in with Jesus, you're all in or you're wasting your time. Amen. He's saying you got to lay it all on the line. You got to give him your life. Amen. You can't hold anything back. It's all or nothing with him. That's what he's requiring of us. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Amen. If you want Jesus to be your friend, you have to be willing to lay it all on the line. We must surrender to him completely. We can't hold anything back. I know I'm repeating myself, but it bears repeating. And we must be willing to accept whatever charge, whatever responsibility, whatever assignment he has given unto us. You believe God has given you a big vision? Well, Jesus says it's going to cost you your life. Now, I don't mean that to say that you're called to be a martyr. That's not what I'm talking about. It's going to cost you your life. If he gives you a vision that's bigger than you, the only way that you will accomplish that vision to the degree that he foresees is if you lay your life before Jesus and say, Lord, take me. I am yours. I will do whatever you call me to do. I'll go wherever you tell me to go. I'll do whatever you call me to do because my life is yours. I surrender to you. When you get to that point, you're well on your way to being a trusted friend of Jesus. And he can confide in you. And he can let you in on some things that everybody else is going to be clueless about. Amen. Hallelujah. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. I like the way it says it in the message. You are my friends when you do the things I command you. 
I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. That includes what you're supposed to do in the city of Wilmington. What we're supposed to do here at Faith Life Fellowship. What I'm supposed to do as pastor. What you're supposed to do in what God has called you to do. Amen. He's going to let you in on how that fits in to the plan for the city of Wilmington, for the state of North Carolina, for the nation, and for the world. Amen. Glory to God. When you become a friend of God, he trusts you enough to confide in you, to let you in on the secrets of heaven and the plans, purposes of God for this world. Furthermore, he will reveal to you how you and your vision fit into that greater plan and how you can achieve maximum success in fulfilling that vision, that charge, that calling, that dream. Verse 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. Listen, let me stop right there. That word ordained comes from a Greek word that means to lay prostrate with your nose on the ground and your arms spread out. I remember watching a Catholic ordination ceremony one time. And listen, I've got my beefs with Catholic theology and doctrine. But one of the things I love that they do is when they ordain a priest, he lays with his nose to the ground and his arms out to the side. He prostrates himself before God, symbolically saying, I'm laying my life on the line. Whatever you call me to do, Lord, I'm there. I'll do it. I'll be your man. Send me wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you call me to do. Amen. Hallelujah. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Amen. I don't want my fruit to die and wither after I die and go be with the Lord. I want fruit that remains. I want a legacy that will continue after I leave. I want to build something on the earth, not just a natural structure, but a supernatural structure, a heritage that will continue on after I'm gone. I want fruit, but I want fruit that will remain. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let me, I can't get through this one. This is so full of revelation. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Notice up here on the slide I've got next to in my name. The Amplified says, as my representative. You know, when the cops come knocking on your door, hopefully that hadn't, hadn't happened in a while. But when the cops come knocking on your door, they might say something like, open up in the name of the law. What are they saying? We represent the law. So when you ask the Father something in Jesus' name, you're saying to Him, I'm coming to you, Father, as your representative. As Jesus' representative on the earth, I come to you and I ask you to do certain things for me. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, as the representative of Jesus, he may give it you. Now, why is that so special to me? Why did that just leap out to me? That means that whatever I need, let me just back up. You've been chosen and God has ordained you for a specific vision, for a specific purpose. Amen. A plan designed for you to bear maximum fruit. 
that your fruit will remain. If you need anything that's connected to your ministry here on planet Earth as a representative of Jesus Christ, all you have to do is go to the Father and say, I need this to continue being the representative of Jesus on the earth that you call me to be. And the Bible says, I believe, reading between the lines, reading by the Holy Ghost, it will be given to you without hesitation. Because you approached him as a representative of Jesus. I need this facility because our church needs room to grow. We need to uh, grow and expand and be able to reach out to the community. Therefore, I believe this facility is ideal for us, Lord. I was reading this scripture and I shared this with my wife and we wept as we read it. And I turned to her and I said, I believe the Lord. is basically saying. If you want that facility, ask me for it and I will give it to you. We cried because that's what this verse is saying. Whatever you're called to do as a representative of Jesus, in my case here in the city of Wilmington, just ask the father as his representative, as the representative of Jesus, and he'll give it to you. Maybe it's a building that you need for your new business. Maybe it's supplies. Maybe it's capital to begin your new business. Whatever it is that will help you fulfill your responsibility as the representative of Jesus Christ on the earth. Just ask him for it and he'll give it to you. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. So let me wrap this up by challenging you. And I'm challenging myself as well to make the progression. In our relationship with Jesus. From one of grateful love to one of abiding in him to becoming his trusted friend. So that you bear much fruit and that your fruit may remain. Amen. Amen. Glory. Please. Come. I knew you couldn't do it by yourself. That's why I said I will send the comforter, the spirit of truth. It is through him that the love that exists and that has existed for all eternity between I and my father, it is through him that that love is shed abroad in your hearts that you will be able to love me with the same love that I loved you, with the same love that I laid my life down for you. So it is not by might, it is not by power, but by my spirit. Just as Peter learned, just as Paul learned, just as John learned, that my spirit is he who is the helper. He's come to help you, to show you how you can be my friend. So be comforted to know that I've given all that you need for this word to be fulfilled in you, my peace, I rest with you this day, saith the Lord. Amen. We receive that, Lord. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message on Becoming a Friend of Jesus. 
If you'd like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again. We believe.